LSD, cocaine, marijuana. All of these things I would consider potentially a good time, Jim. Almost certainly a good time. Possibly, I mean, up until recently, probably a better time than going to a Bills game. I mean, yeah, I mean, up to like the last three or four years. Yeah. And even recently, depending on the game. Yeah, I, I you know, I'd probably rather be on a, a mix of some of those substances than have witnessed the Jets game last week. Right. I bet Aaron Rodgers was. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they couldn't figure out if he had torn Achilles until the next day. Get us sober up before they could they could do the tests. Oh well, you know it's uh, not not often though would I ever consider a cocktail of all of those things. But some brave soul, maybe it's like that the first Batman movie, like Smilex. I was like, if you get those three things, like you see God immediately. Is that is that a timely reference? The nineteen eighty nine Batman movie? Yeah, like uh, Tim Burton's Jack Nicholson Batman. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Fucking uh, what's his name? Keaton. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. He's back. Yeah, he's in the new Batman's, right? Yeah, he, I, he's he's showing back up doing cameos. They're making more of those, All right? Uh, Kim Basinger was in that first Batman. Sure. Yeah. Prince. Uh, Pr- oh, well, Prince did the soundtrack. Right. Yeah. Prince did this, like one of the all-time great soundtracks. And so if you found yourself on a, a essentially make your own Smilex, mm-hmm. where would you go? Like, like what, what would you, what would be the first place that your adult brain may take you to? Well, I don't know what the first place I'd go would be. I know the first thing I would do is I would take all my clothes off. Well, that goes, the, I would, I would do that before I take the drugs. Right. Like it's maybe like a strip tease as I take each new drug, I take a item of clothing off. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you could find yourself in <laughs> living in a shotgun shack, or in this case, in the construction site for the new Bill Stadium. Right? Yeah, in a hole in the construction site. Yeah, I mean, what it, you, you want to explore? This is the urban explorer, maybe the suburban explorer. Oh, this is definitely a suburban explorer. Right. I, maybe they were uh, trying to leave something in a geocache. <laughs> like their dignity. <laughs> Just this is, We're podcasting from the year 2009. <laughs> um, wh- what was the name of Chris Pratt's character in Parks and Rec? It was Andy? Andy Dwyer. Andy Dwyer. Yeah. Right. And he famously ended up at the bottom of the construction site in like the first season of Parks Yeah, the pit. The pit. Yeah. That first season that nobody really likes. Um it was still good, but it yeah. wasn't. They didn't hit their stride till season two. Anyway, this guy's trying to be his own Buffalo's own Andy Dwyer. That's uh-huh. well, he 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 knows we're coming up on Halloween and people are going to need Halloween costumes. And he's like, I can't. Not everybody can be the Gumball Bandit this year. There's going to have to be some naked guy covered in shit with like construction tape wrapped around him. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. Because, I mean. Listen, you can you could trip a lot of places. I, I suppose I've never done LSD. Full disclosure, but I imagine you could you could choose a lot of places to trip. But why on God's earth would you do it at the fucking Ralph parking lot? Like, isn't that enough of a sensory overload anyway? Well, and also not cheap. So I I happened to look on like Friday uh, on the NFL schedule page on ESPN, and they have like up to date 
you can get tickets for as low as X. And the Bills home opener was the second most expensive game or like where the the cheapest ticket you could get like uh, on Friday before the game was over $130 for the Bills. It was the second most expensive. Meanwhile, like here, there was I think it was like fucking I don't know, I can't remember. It was there was one that you could get like tickets for like $13. And like oh yeah, Buffalo 10 times that because our famously strong economy here just nothing but Roosevelt's and Vanderbilt's going to the game. Yeah. So, I mean, this guy just completely flush with cash enough to buy all these drugs, right? Consume them because last I've heard, you know, cocaine isn't cheap, right? So that was part of the chemical equation here. Yeah. Probably a Carnegie, probably a Carnegie. Yeah. Or is it, is it Carnegie? Carnegie. Yeah. Is, is it? Right. Well, he, the, the, the people who don't do this in the family are Carnegie's. He's a Carnegie. <laughs> That's it's old Ralph Carnegie jumping in, <laughs> taking his clothes off and jumping into a construction site. Well, I, I got to tell you, Jim, you know, I have an idea. Now, listen, this, this sounds expensive, right? But I have an idea how you can make some money. Mm. Okay. All right. So here's the deal. You work as a clerk in, in city of Buffalo Common Council for like 20 years and then you do some financial chicanery mm-hmm. and then you get put on a suspended like a leave of absence for oh i don't know seven seven and a half years yeah. you just don't show up for work you get paid that is how you can afford to do this yeah that's uh yeah i mean this that our, our you know our own baby jessica who fell down the well here in orchard park uh <laughs> just has been on leave from the city for seven and a half years Oh man. I mean, this is a story that is so, uh, as we would have said, you know, 10 years ago, epic that, uh, it made the daily mail in the Mm -hmm. UK here, but Dem led Buffalo clerk who quote tampered with fire department payroll and quote to pad her checks with a, to to pad her checks, excuse me, was paid a staggering $500,000 while on administrative leave for seven years. So this story has gone her name's out there now. Jill Retman um, has now returned to work with the Buffalo Fire Department. So our, our little slice of local insanity has, right. you know, gone viral. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess good for her. I mean, like, I wouldn't mind being suspended for seven years if I was getting full pay and, and benefits. And and also, like, the crazy thing, like, accruing all that vacation and sick time the entire time. Yes. Right? So, like, has to come back to work now and probably could just take the next, like, couple years off anyways because they've accrued all this time. I mean, it's so insane. And also, like, seriously, so I worked in government. And not only did I work, but I worked in government where, like, I was overseeing, like, filling positions in a division and keeping track of civil service jobs. That job, since it was, was, there was technically a person in it, even if they weren't working, was filled you couldn't hire somebody to replace them unless they added another position to the budget. You you couldn't double fill it. I mean, you could like you might be able to get like a temporary double fill, but not for seven and a half years. So like they were just working short staff one person that entire time. So the hot goss is that that she must have had something on somebody. It couldn't like look. Say what you will about municipal government or yeah. our shitty municipal government, as it were. At the end of the day, 
there's a lot of patronage out there. There's people who want jobs, who are vying for jobs. Somebody's son, uncle, cousin, brother, sister needs a job. There is no way they could have overlooked that amount of money for that amount of time, that kind of position. Look, you, you can't blame Byron Brown from the, for this because as Winston Churchill famously said, Pobody's nerfed. So, I mean, it's it could have happened to anybody. I mean, obviously it's not Barbara Million Williams' fault. She's just the controller. What does she have to do with this, Jim? Right. The, the person who oversees all the finances of the city of Buffalo? Let's leave her out of the mm-hmm. conversation. Like, this never would have happened under Andy Sanfilippo's watch. I'll tell you that. Well, Jill Rettman, you are a legend at the bank, yeah. okay? And uh, like, and and also, I hopefully we break down some gender walls here, Jim, because this is the kind of story, you know, I, I'm biased. I would think it was a man who was on this level of, you know, just pure, like, coasting. Like, that story of that guy, and was it Italy or Spain? Mm-hmm. It, was, it was the famous one before this. Where it, it like, the Italy, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I, I I would have thought like, oh, yeah, you know, it would only be a, a man that could do this. But no, we're breaking down gender gender walls, glass ceilings. What well, even office space, like they forgot to fire that guy and like he just kept he he kept showing up. Yes. Right? She didn't even have to do that. I I I can't wait for like in like five years for like the David O. Russell like movie version of this where Jennifer Lawrence plays her. And they they come and film in Buffalo. And most of it's done at Doc Sullivan's. Jill Rettman, queen of our hearts. Yeah. This is, I mean, what do we, what can we say? What can we say? I, look, I don't think, I think the situation sucks. I think it's terrible for the city, but Jill Rettman, you got the sauce. Yeah. You, you got that. I, and of course we record this and something terrible is going to come out about her and what she knows or, you know, that, that's par for the course. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, she's definitely a milkshake duck. She's definitely uh, one million percent of milkshake duck. She's going to say or do something terrible or has said or done something terrible to lead to the situation. But you know what? For right now, we're just going to revel right. in the fact of un- heretofore unseen levels of absolute swag here in Buffalo. Uh, Jill Redman holding it down. Yeah. Square Square Podcast's uh, new favorite. Right. Yeah. When, when we do our best of episode, best civil employee, Jill Redman. The, the she, we retired Jill Retman. Right, yeah. We're actually going <laughs> to get Jill Retman, the Hall of Fame wing. We'll get a Jill Retman championship belt that we can give out to different uh, public employees this year. <laughs> the Jill Retman wing of the Square Podcast. Like, right, like, like, we're going to do a Kickstarter so we can uh, uh, commission Tiffany to make a trophy for us, the Jill Retman trophy. Oh, mama mia. Yeah, that's uh, not, not good, Jim. Um, how would you say... On a scale of uh, one to one being mad, 10 being absolutely fucking outrageously mad, would you say our local political leadership is at this development? Uh, well, I think it depends on the political leader. Mm. Uh, but some of them are, you know, cranking it to 11. Uh, others, I, you know, probably sleeping. It's it's getting close to winter. They might be hibernating soon. You know, they've been... They been, they went to Wing Fest. They had 130 wings. They're packing on the way to get ready for winter. Rashid Wyatt's got to go back to his. Right. You know, he's got to go back to hibernate. Um, I was thinking Joel Fairlotto, but like you know that's pretty fine. Like maybe they maybe they share a cave. <laughs> 
Well, one one member of the Buffalo Common Council is absolutely outraged about it, and justifiably so, right? Mitch Nowakowski mm-hmm. has gone on a major crusade uh, to you know, hold the city of Buffalo accountable to make sure that this doesn't happen again, to service the taxpayers in all this, um, on its face, a, a, a pretty noble, uh, yeah. And, and, I, gesture, and I, again, you know, I think it's reasonable like for him to react this way and that like, because like, there is the controller's office, there is, there are people in financial situations who are supposed to be the people doing the audit and keeping track. There's people in the HR department who are supposed to be keeping track of this and like, to be, like, it is not each individual council member's job to like spend all day going, what is exactly the city doing every fucking place? Like it's, it's, it's impossible for anybody to do. There are other people who are supposed to know and be like, Hey, by the way, did you know this? It shouldn't be like found by the investigative post who I'm sure was tipped off by somebody. Right. Um, so like for, I think Mitch's anger is both real and justified, you know, and, and for him to say, okay, like, Clearly, like the safeguard and the people who are supposed to be in place to like tell us that this is going on aren't doing their job. So we're going to have to do something now. And so like we're we're we'll have to take action as the council to say, like, you have to do this. So and we'll see if, you know, if you know President Pro Tempor Scanlon and those who often align with the mayor uh go along with this. I can't imagine that sticking up for especially for like Scanlon in particular, stealing from the fire department and then trying to stick up and say like, Hey, we shouldn't look into this is not going to play well in South Buffalo. There are a lot of firefighters down there. If she had been stealing from like the water authority or like the sewers, they would be like, ah, whatever, Chris, do whatever you need to do. But stealing from the fire department in particular is not going to play well. I have a sneaking suspicion that, Members of the fire department probably know a lot more of the story than we ever will. Yes, I am sure. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I I do know that it had been tolerated for seven and a half years. Right. I mean, but the, the fire department, like people have told stories about this in the fire department. She is their Baba Yaga. <laughs> She is the legend mm-hmm. in, in that department, for sure. And of course, because the Daily Mail is a, a British site, they <laughs> will just completely dox everybody and post everything. So I'm, I'm, this article I'm looking at has pictures of Jill Retman, uh, Mount Mercy Academy graduate, the South Buffalo connection here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if she's originally from South Buffalo or what, but I, you say how will that play in South Buffalo? Again, I bet. There's probably in a lot of people. I, I, I am from South Buffalo originally. I am not in the know on this, but I, uh, I probably know people who know. Right. And I, I, I am sure there are certain people in South Buffalo because like there are connections there for her and probably her family who are like, Hey, you, you can't pick on, on Jill. She's a, she's a good one, but there are a lot of firefighters who are probably upset about this. Yeah. You know, like, like I said, like skimming from the fire department in particular, is going to make people angry. It might. It uh, Again, this is... It's going to make some people... It might not make everybody angry, but there are certainly some people who are going to be upset about that. You know, when we're talking about, like, you know, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about how the like most of the fire department equipment is outdated and they don't have enough firefighters and they don't have enough money for them. We find out that this person was, you know, 
at least accused or if not straight up caught a skimming money from the fire department to pad their own checks and just got, you know, put on paid admin leave for seven years. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that is a fair and correct take. Um, but, you know, the, 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 I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, like, this is the kind of story some people I've been pushed over the edge. They're like, okay, I'm full libertarian now. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, look, seven years, in case, that is longer than one full U.S. Senate term. That is a long time. I mean, she she was affected. She Three presidents, right? Yeah. She, like Obama, Trump, and Biden. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. Jill Redman, legend. Yeah. Legend. Um, you know who's uh you know who's also a little bit of a legend who didn't have much to say on the Jill Rettman matter, by the way. Mm. Believe it or not, is your mayor and mine. Uh not Brian, Byron, Byron Brown. Brian Brown, your mayor, yeah. was a once popular meme page, yeah. if you remember all you Buffalo old heads. But Byron Brown, our mayor, mm-hmm. is uh uh he, he confirmed that. Jill Rutman, or I don't know her current name. She's been married since, but she returned back to work uh, <laughs> as of as of this month. Uh, but other than that, the word has been pretty mum from Mayor Brown, Jim. Well, I mean, the, it, the main thing he talked about was that you know Buff State is going to be announcing their five finalists for their presidency, mm-hmm. and uh, that he knows that he's exploring like that position, which is interesting because like he didn't say like I hope to be considered. He makes it sound like if he wants it, he can have it. Now, the interesting thing is that I believe the SUNY regulation is that you have to have some advanced degree, even just a master's. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I'm not trying to like de- demean anybody who has a master's degree. Like, just a but, master's, but you know that is like you know the like the like the lowest uh, like on the hierarchy of like advanced degrees, right? Um, a master's degree, it's the least amount of class hours. Um, you need to have at least a master's degree, which he does not have. But the reason why he he hasn't been able to pay attention to the Jill Retmans of the world is because he's in school right now. He's working on his master's degree, uh, reportedly at Damon. I mean, he would have been at Madai, but you know things got in the way there. So, but yeah, he's reportedly working on his master's at Damon. Uh, probably, you know, probably actually in professional leadership. Who knows what the like the degrees like? Like. Uh, gumball machine tracking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Byron working on his master's degree so he can slide into that uh, Buff State presidency position. What, what's your favorite scenario to imagine? Imagine Byron Brown is in like a school like scenario. Like I, my first, my brain went to like, like Welcome Back, Cotter. Like, like you know, or like what, what sitcom? Skinner. Skinner. Skinner? Skinner? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> principal, principal, principal Skinner. Principal Byron Skinner. <laughs> And like, you know, and like occasionally, uh, Super Nintendo Chalmers comes from Albany to like visit the school. <laughs> yeah. Aurora Borealis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That tracks. Right. Yeah. It's, it's uh, like constantly being pestered by like the Bart Simpsons of the world. Um, you know, I don't, I don't understand why my bones are so weak. I drink plenty of milk. Now with vitamin R. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, Byron, I, I, I uh, surmise like the other candidates for like the presidency are like 
Doug Jamal, mm-hmm. the Gumball Bandit, <laughs> the Gumball Jill Redman, Jill Redman, Jill Redman, Brian Higgins. <laughs> sure, why not? Fuck right. it, whatever. Yeah, the 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 Elmwood Pothole Bandit. Sure, yeah. Fuck the guy who does like the little whistling heart guy. Yeah, yeah. That's you know. Fuck. Yeah. Why? Why, why not? Right. Eric Starchild. <laughs> Buff State University. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, Byron, he's always wanted to move up from mayor. This way he gets to be president. Yes. Um, interesting. Like, so I, I wonder what the timing would be because, you know, I, like if they're announcing the finalists later this month or in October, um, doesn't sound like the appointment would happen this calendar year, which means that whoever is council president – in January, which wouldn't be the current council president because he's not running for re-election, uh, would then take over on a temporary basis as mayor. And I, the, I get suspicious when I see like somebody like By- like Byron want to move on. Like he's been fundraising, so obviously he's got some interest in being mayor for like the rest of his life. You know, like you know, like the House of Lords, except it's the mayor's office, right? So if he's moving on. We all know that the city's finances are, are a mess. Are, are they in such a mess that like we might end up with a control board again? Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's why he wants to move out. He doesn't want to be left holding the bag when when the state comes in and says like when Mitch Nowakowski starts doing this audit and finds out that there's like there's a fucking mess all over the place. Right? There's like twelve Jill Redmonds. Right, right. And on each floor of <laughs> of City Hall, and actually all of them are named Jill Redmond. It's crazy. Right. Like they're just, it's like George Foreman's kids. They just have a number after them. <laughs> um, Jill Retman has worked in every department in city hall and she's got this job that just pays her into infinity. Yeah. Um, so we're doing but, nothing. Yeah. So like, you know, I wonder like, okay, if that's the case, then it's going to be happen in, you know, maybe January, early in the year, new council president. There's been you know, there's rumors going back for like who's going to be council president right right now. Scanlon is president pro tempore. Theoretically, that's the person you would be who might be in the pole position to move up. Uh, but it sounds like there's some negotiations there that like you know especially with at least two new council members coming in. Right, uh, that you know I say at least because while the primaries are over, there are random people on like their own lines and that stuff running. It's unlikely that any of them will win. But you know, you know, you know, like think crazy things happen. Just like the New York Lotto. Hey, you right. never know. Right. Yeah. Uh running like, you know, running in Lovejoy on the on the Jill Retman Forever line might win you a couple of votes. Um, but so like and so there's rumors that like maybe some of those people who are in that coalition that kind of opposes the mayor, um, which you know, free, you know, features Mitch Nowakowski, mm-hmm. you know, that maybe Mitch might be able to become council president. Um are they willing to make that deal thinking that like, are they going to try to set up Mitch Nokowski to take a fall is my, is my concern, mm-hmm. right? Are they going to say, Mitch, you can be council president knowing that as soon as Byron walks out the door, the state's going to come in and be like, Hey, this is fucking terrible. We're taking it over. And he's going to get saddled with Mitch was the mayor when a hard control board came back. Mm. Even as, as interim is, are they trying to set up him for the fall so that he can't run for it? Like, you know, because obviously Mitch, I think Mitch is one of the better legislators in in City Hall, and obviously has some ambition to go beyond just maybe that 
uh, council seat in Fillmore. Mm-hmm. Uh, are, are they going to try to say, well, we can't let that happen? He's shown a propensity to fight, you know, the mayor and some of the leadership. We can't let that. So are they going to try to set him up? Like, that would be my concern. Well, I mean, that that all makes sense. We also might be very well down the rabbit hole at this point, yeah. too. But but I, I mean, everything you said is based in pretty sound logic. Um, I think for me, it, it simply comes down to this, that we clearly and we've we've all known for a very long time, but just more and more we are seeing how completely inept and dysfunctional our city of Buffalo, um, you know, our government is on the city level. The municipal level here is just it's it's astounding how much this does not function. And do we need a control board to come in? I mean, it was pretty bad for the city the last time we had it. But also, we're seeing now why we may have needed it then, you know, like it's it's kind of proof positive now where we're seeing under Byron Brown's just disastrous tenure. Like, and I think that a lot of the um, business leaders in the city of Buffalo kind of let that fly because, again, like say what you will, but they they have to work with Byron Brown. They have to work with the city. They let it fly because Byron Brown was just so inept that they could do anything that they had free run of the place. And I mean, okay. City of Buffalo city or city hall can just like completely piss away their money and do whatever they want. And you know, we could be kind of the playground for developers and yeah. the money and interests here. And yeah. And if the if control board, again, this is all speculative, but like if a control board comes in, I think it matters how they do it. If they come in and it's like, you know, like the EU managing, uh, Greece after the Greek financial collapse and it's austerity. That's terrible fucking news. If they come in and go, look, since we're not elected officials, we don't have to run for election. We can actually fucking, we can raise taxes. We can raise revenue where you guys refuse to do it because it was politically a tough thing for you to try to do. You didn't want to run into primaries or run into races. So you refuse to raise taxes and we can do it because we're, we're not beholden to being elected. So it'll be interesting and how, how they do it. Uh, also like, Going back to the Buff State thing real quick, you know, they said they're going to announce their finalists. What do you think would be worse PR for like the SUNY system? If like if they've decided Byron's going to get it, if it's Byron and like four candidates who clearly aren't qualified, so like they, they make him look like the best, or if it's four people who definitely are qualified and they pick him anyways. Man, what I- what's worse PR? If it like if this it's like Byron. The the LSD guy from the Bills game, <laughs> Jill Rutman, you know, like like the guy who from Franklinville who got arrested at empty pockets for like a hate crime. Oh yeah, or like okay. th- those are the finalists for like the Buff State. Or if it's like, oh, this guy's currently the president of you know Lehigh Valley University. This guy's you know like they're the presidents of other small schools or something like across the country. Or like you know, or this guy's like the, you know the president or like the uh, you know head of the business school at fucking Canisius, right? You know, so uh, he's not currently a university president, but he worked in, he's worked in university administration. And he knows how to do it. You know, I mean, maybe Canisius isn't a great example because they've been undergoing budget cuts. So they, they're, they've also been not maybe the best run recently. Um, but, you know, like I'm just saying like, what would look worse PR wise? Cause whatever would look worse PR wise is probably what the state will do if they've already decided on Byron as the next a university president. 
Well, and, and right. And, and that's part of what I'm saying here is like, we've seen under Byron Brown's tenure as mayor, longest tenured mayor um, in the city of Buffalo history, uh, just complete fucking free fall disaster. And I'm sure, you know, once we, once he leaves office, we will, we, it will all be revealed to us. Just the amount of absolutely astounding profound stupidity and financial mismanagement. And so if you are uh, a buff state, you know, stakeholder um, and you're like, yeah, we're going to fundraise off of this guy, because not only do you have to think about his current reputation, which is already in the toilet really, but then you have to figure, uh, okay, so Byron Brown becomes our university president and all of this shit comes out from his time here. And this is the guy we are building our university's brand off of basically. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's why uh, Takeo Spikes was in town. He's also up for the running for uh, university president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's uh, right. Or maybe uh, maybe they could run it back. They could get Ralph Kruger. He was so popular the first time in Buffalo. I, I went down a, a Ralph Kruger rabbit hole. Oh yeah, uh, not too long ago about his time as manager of what was it Sunderland? Yeah, and I was like, did the fans? Because he wasn't really a soccer coach. No. But they hated him too. <laughs> like they, like they, like I, I read some blogs from around the time, um, you know, he he left the, their organization, and they all fucking hated him too. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't read like the Sunderland blogs, but like I know like you know, any like buddy, Sabers people who are online, uh, who I don't Sabers Twitter is, is getting better. They're not all suicidal like they were two years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but. Yeah, you know, they do refer to universally as hockey terrorist Ralph Kruger. Oh yeah, that tracks. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so yeah, maybe Ralph Kruger's a finalist. I don't know. Like, is there anybody else we want to throw out there who like would be a, a good, you know, Buffalo local finalist for Buff State job? Yeah, submit your answers to us yeah. at the, uh, yeah. the email. I always uh, forget. Yeah, form, <laughs> uh, former Councilman Brian Davis, right? <laughs> Brian Davis, sure. Yeah. Well, why not? So. Well, yeah. So Byron Brown, um, you know, not not what makes the city of Buffalo so wonderful, Jim. Um, but there's a lot of other things per Reader's Digest. Yeah, uh, this was uh, Gavin shared this. Um, you know, he's he's getting over COVID, so he's had a lot of time to read everything that's out there. So eventually, he found Reader's Digest. Um, he channeled his inner. Is this like when you're in the bathroom and you like back before phones, and all you had was like the fucking shampoo bottle to read. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, he must have like the large print readers digest that he gets delivered to his home. <laughs> um, and like, he'd already read like all the, like the joke pages, like a, a day in the light or like whatever those work joke pages. And, um, and he got, he got to the article calling Buffalo, the nicest city in the United States. And it talks about, uh, Buffalo's response to obviously the, the terrorist attack, at, uh, in May at tops, um, May uh, 2022, um, but that also the, the blizzard last year and the deaths and the response to the city and how the city has reacted. Like Not necessarily city leadership. Didn't really give a shit about them because that hasn't been necessarily super great. Um, I mean, they didn't let Nate McMurray ghost write any article, so he didn't like, they didn't criticize polling cars the entire time either. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, they talked to, like, members of the community and people who live, you know, in, in the impacted communities on how like you know, Buffalo, despite this, is still great and everybody loves each other. And I mean, it's a very Reader's Digest. Like Reader's Digest is not doing hard hitting journalism. 
No. It is not the place you go if you're planning on winning a Pulitzer. No, you go you go for that for like Maryland Vos Savant and yeah. like whatever, like the off-brand Sunday comics. And right, right. And like, you know, like Dave Barry columns being reprinted. Sure. Yeah, that's, yeah, I go for... If 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 God forbid I ever had to read the Reader's Digest, I that, you go for the pablum, you go mm-hmm. for the feel good hokey pablum. That's what it's there for. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Reader's Digest is just like boys' life for adults. Sure, right. Sure. So, uh, but like, uh, I mean, it's it just came out. Like, so this, we're recording this on Tuesday this week. Um, mm. By the time you know, uh, this actually this recording releases, I'm sure every fucking yokel in Buffalo has a, a Facebook account will have shared this. And like it's and say nonsense like so true or this is why I love my city and it's almost like most people who are going to be sharing on Facebook are like older suburbanites who refuse to come to the city unless like they go to a special event and then immediately leave as fast as possible. Yeah, I mean, look, I I I still as insane as this place is, as crazy as it, this Western New York Buffalo, you know, all the stuff that we talk about here regularly week in and week out. I still love it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I live here. I love Buffalo. I do think that, you know, after the, um, call what it is, the terrorist attack, uh, on the tops in Jefferson street, you know, I do think that we have shown a lot of resiliency. I, I think, mm-hmm. l- listen, I think a lot of that, there is merit yeah. to that. So I, I don't want to put, lest you think we're like edgelord you know, yeah, no, I mean, assholes here. Like, I, I, I think the general sentiment is nice, and I think it's good to remind people. It's a little surprising that, like, an article titled "Like Nicest City in America" wasn't authored by Jill Retman, who's been paid for by seven years to not do anything in the city. She's got a reason, right? She's this like, is the nicest right, city in America. Right, yeah, right. She's got a reason to say it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, sure. Let let your you know grandmas and aunts and uncles or whoever. Share it on social media. You could share it on social media. I won't judge you. Whatever. It's nice. It's nice to be recognized. I guess even if it's by the reader, it's not the Atlantic. Uh, you know, whatever you think of the Atlantic, but right, it's whatever. It's cool. But uh, speaking of the, like we talked about last week, the uh, the distinguished uh, speaker series is coming. The CEO of the Atlantic is coming. Yeah. Ask him about Reader's Digest. Like, go to the buy tickets. Go, and if there's a question to answer, be like, "Hey, uh, did you read the Reader's Digest article about <laughs> Buffalo being the nicest city in America?" Because I want to see his head fucking explode. Could so does the Atlantic plan on running something similar? Or right, a, a response piece. <laughs> right, or did you want to maybe see if you, you like you could pay it for syndication? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know one person, Jim, who is uh, listen, you know. One person who might not be living up to the city of Buffalo's uh, high niceness reputation. All right. Now he's got a lot of money. He owns a lot of stuff around here, but he's not so nice, mm. at least when it comes to racially. Yeah. <laughs> like, at least, at least in one facet, racially not nice. But, I mean, like, look, to be fair, like, at least specifically, it sounds like like he's not super nice about blacks. It seems like, and we're, I'm not sure, seems like he's kind of cool about Asians, but also like that's kind of the stereotype of like like weirdo white guy loves Asian women, right? I'm not touching that one on the ten foot pole. But what I what I do know is that Terry Pagula, yes, Mister Pagula, to you right. if you're if you're nasty, yeah, Terry Pagula. Uh, in NFL owners meetings, uh, I mean, ba- 
basically just said probably what I would say, well, a good, you know, 75% of South Buffalo grandparents have probably said aloud at some point, at least thought it, but really like to say it out loud in owner's meaning, uh, holy fuck. Yeah. Uh, essentially that what, that, that blacks should get their own country and move to it. Was no, that, no, no, or, no. It, 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 it was, if blacks have a problem with how things are run, like they should move back to Africa, move back to Africa. Yes. yes. So how familiar do you think Terry Pagula is with the works of Marcus Garvey? Do you, do you, do you think like he, he is a noted scholar? Like, does he have a lot of strong feelings about Liberia perhaps? Yeah. He, well, he's, I, I know he probably spends a lot of time thinking about Eritrea and like land rights. And like the Horn of Africa. Um, no, I mean, I, I mean, you know, they said that like, and he, he of course released a statement like, oh, I would never say that. I was like, well, I mean, if I said it, I would say that too. Uh, but like, you know, like, I tend to believe more than likely he probably said that or something similar to it. The other uh, quote that was attributed to him last week was that uh, um, when Ted Black was president of hockey operations for the Sabres and Byron Brown was there, that he said something that, uh, that he thought that uh, Byron Brown was blacker than Ted Black, and that is one hundred percent. I like that is certainly something like a like you know racist white guy would and think is a good joke. And like he said that and and thought that like he was fucking Robin Williams. Like he thought that was the best joke that anybody's ever made. You got to wonder how long he giggled to himself thinking about that before saying it. Right. Yeah. No, he wrote it down like two days ahead of time. Like. Like he texted it to himself, like, "Oh, don't forget the Ted Black joke." <laughs> it, it's like when you, you, you know, it's like when you drop just an absolute heater in the group chat, and you're just like laughing to yourself, mm-hmm. and you know your your significant other like looks over at you and like, "What's so funny?" And like, I just sent a really funny text in the group chat. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't get it. Yeah. But Terry Pagula did that with so, race, with but, racism, right? But so that that original comment though, like uh, blacks should move back to Africa. And I've heard a couple people like, well, he's married to, you know, a person of color. And so like, he can't be racist. And I was like, look, I know anecdotally, I, I used to work for a homeless service agency and we had a refugee family from the Middle East. Right. And their one rule was like, they needed housing. They had kids. They had to find someplace to live. They didn't want to live in the street with any black people. That was their one like caveat that they wanted. They were homeless with kids, and they're like still their racism was overriding that. So like, don't tell me that like just because like that you like you could be like kind of cool with like one group of color that you can't like that you you can't be racist against others. Like clearly you can, and I think that like n- not surprised that Terry Pagula is probably racist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't done. Let me put it another way. Like he hasn't done much to, you know, really dispel it otherwise. Right. I mean, like, I mean, look at like, you know, uh, he, 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 he built, like he spent a lot of money on like Penn state. He made a lot of his money in like rural Pennsylvania. He was adamant that the bill stadium shouldn't be downtown. And he was very, uh, against like any community benefits agreement. And he wanted to make sure it was in the suburbs. I don't know. That points to somebody who really wants to hang out with as many white people as possible. Could be, could be, you know, I, I can't, I can't speak to Terry Pagula's intentions. I can't speak to whatever. All I can speak to is, well, this came out and mm-hmm. it seems to be pretty in line with previous statements of his. Yeah. So who, who knows, but, uh, you know, what, you know what we should do to find out how this is, is we should 
see if Big Dog will do a poll for us. Now, now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yes, we should involve uh, woof, woof, the Big Dog here, Chris Grant, Jim. Uh, you know, one of one of the rogues gallery of characters here at the Square Podcast. I would say, uh, in the wake of Charlie Speck's article in the Buffalo News titled uh, could Mark Polonkars actually lose? You know, there's a whole story about, uh, what would happen? What, mm. what would have to happen really for Mark to lose in his August to forget? Um, and so big dog polling and Chris Grant ran what some may call a push poll, as they say in the political biz, uh, basically trying to read the room, get the temperature, but actually just, you know, put, put a little bit of fear into uh, into Chairman Mark and his camp after, you know, an admittedly rough month, uh, asking questions like, you know, what's your opinion of Kathy Hochul? What's your opinion of Mark Polonkars? What's your opinion of Chrissy Casilio? I could tell you the percentages. Chris Grant was behind this poll. You know exactly what it's going to say. They hate, and they hate Hochul. They hate Polonkars. They don't know Casilio yet, um, but they're, they're open to learn things about her. Is Erie County on the right track or wrong track? Oh, Erie County, 51% wrong track, 33% right track. Uh, if the general election for Erie County executive were held today, are you more likely to vote for Republican or Democrat? Uh, Republican, 46, Democrat, 42. Okay. Um, I mean, again, like, if if the, oh, this is my favorite one. <clears throat> if uh, if the election for Erie County executive were held today, who would you vote for? Mark Polonkar's at 43%, Chrissy Casilio at 39 and undecided at 17. Um, you know, again, Chris Grant here is doing Chris Grant things. We, we know that, uh, this is his MO. It, this is a money quote here, Jim, cause he knows, you know, he, he's, he takes the chance whenever he gets quoted in the Buffalo news, he, he does take, uh, he does take his chance with it here. He really goes for it. The quote here. Mark has somehow seemed to shoot himself in the foot, slice his Achilles heel, and throw himself into a river at the same time, which is pretty imp- pretty incredible. GOP strategist Chris Grant says, uh, do you think his English teacher just fucking hated him? <laughs> I, 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 I don't think it's restricted to just his English teacher. <laughs> I mean, like, like, imagine you get an essay with, like, Threw himself in the river, shot himself in the foot, sliced his Achilles heel at the same time. <laughs> wow, dude, sick. Whoa. Uh, and Chris, Idiot. Chris Grant cohort, Stefan Mahilu, who works for Chris Grant as uh, for Big Dog. Um, this week with the Bills home opener, he has been v- Mahilu on his social media has been very upset about Kathy Hochul being there. And so one of the things he posted was a a picture of Kathy Hochul riding in a golf cart. And Mahalo was like, I walked, you know, a couple miles, you know, from like the, somebody's lawn that I parked in and, you know, Hochul got escorted like a VIP. And I was like, yeah, of course, like people want to see her and talk to her because she's governor and like would probably try to get in her way. Good or bad. You're a nobody. Nobody interfere with you because nobody gives a shit about you stuff on like that's a nonsense thing. And then he posted it. I saw on social media that uh, Takeo Spikes, who was in town, mm-hmm. was like was sitting in a luxury box, but had like an obstructed obstructed view. And they show like, he has a picture of Kathy Hochul like hobnobbing and like like having like the best view. I was like, again, also Kathy Hochul 
there representing the government who, between the state and the, and the county, own the fucking building. And so they have a suite there that is for them to use, like that they they dole out to like different people in the government to go and, and see the games because they own the fucking building. And and no di- and, and again, like of course, like also who cares? Like are like most people, like if you lived in like, you know, the 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 you know ugly stepchild city of the state, like which they view us as, like compared to New York, where they assume get they think gets everything. Um oh, but you know, like they would be happy that their governor bothered to pay attention to them. Here we have our governor showing up to the bill's home opener. And this guy can't like pretend like for a day, like to not like try to like take very ill-conceived and, you know, disingenuous cheap shots at, at this person. And I don't like Kathy Hochul, but he's still taking these like totally disingenuous cheap shots. Like the, 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 she got the golf cart ride and he didn't. I was like, that is so great. Like, I can't believe you think that you like you might at any point like deserve a golf cart ride. Like if you broke both your legs, the Bills would make you walk to the stadium. <laughs> also, no disrespect to Keo Spikes. I mean, right. he's a great, great player. I mm-hmm. love watching him on the Bills, but like Kathy Hochul is in fact a bigger deal. Yeah. Than Takeo Spikes. Yeah. I um, I, mean, I would say that, that that Kathy Hochul as governor of New York is a bigger deal than Literally any Bills play, like Bills alum, play uh, at all. Anybody actually, really anybody associated with the Bills organization. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least now that Jack Kemp's dead, he did run for vice president once. That's true. You know, but I mean, like you know, he's dead, so like he's probably not going to show up. I mean, like prove me wrong, Jack Kemp. Yeah, zombie Jack Kemp, <laughs> prove me wrong. Right. It's he'll he'll also be in the construction zone with all his clothes off. Yeah. Yeah, I. I mean, again, like these people, right? It's just uh, you know, we 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 are so used to the Stefan Mahailus and the, the Chris Grants of this town that we just kind of take it for granted how absolutely bonkers. But also, like they, they keep getting big time national work. Like they are, you know, working running the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign. You know, Chris Grant got paid a ton of money to waste a waste a ton of money on the Karen Housley for Senate campaign in Minnesota. Among other, like, you know, Chris Grant gets a lot of national work from the National Republicans. Um, doesn't win very often, but he gets a lot of money and he gets a lot of work out of it. And he, you know, th- him getting a quote in the paper, taking a, a shot at somebody, is just like, him trying to advertise to get more money and get another another job later. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever. I don't. I. I like they're so unserious. That's the thing for me is like, they are so at least Chris Grant knows he is entirely unserious. Um, I, I think somewhere in Stefan Mahalo's head, I think he's lost the plot. Yeah. Like, I think he has got, like, I think it's inverted in on itself because I think there was a time where he had a separation and he was playing the character of Stefan Mahalo. Uh, and now I, I just think they're one and the same. Like Chris Grant strikes me as somebody just, completely cynical like he like yeah he probably believes all the, the crazy shit that he espouses but i i think on some level he is able to mentally compartmentalize yeah i i, th- I think he's more like you know like one of the lobbyists and thank you for smoking right right exactly right yeah you know, I, I think stefan has converted himself into a true believer yes right like you know he thought he liked marmite like he thought it would be cool if he likes marmite so he kept eating it and now he likes marmite <laughs> He's just like a full-blown, you know, zealot. 
right. at this point. Um, which yeah. is why he's, uh, I mean, that's why he won't be successful ever again. Because he's a huckster, but he, he's lost the ability to be a good, true huckster. Right. It, it, you, you can't drink your own snake oil. You cannot drink your own. You can't get high on your own supply. Yeah. As they say. Um, what else we got going on here? I guess we could talk uh, just a little bit more about the Polonkar's race, which, you know, other than Mark Polonkar's terrible, no good, horrible August 2023, um, has been relatively tame still. Yeah. Right? Nothing of... Yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, now that it's September, I would expect the campaigns to really, like, be picking up. I mean, you've seen some of the camp like campaign stuff, but, like, you know, Polonkar signs are coming out. Like, you know, TV ads are going to come out soon. Radio ads are going to come out. Mailers are going to come out. Um, you know, in the smaller race are people who don't have as much money and maybe, you know, they, they have to do a lot more legwork. There's been door to door going on for a, a long time. You know, I'm thinking, you know, Brian Nowak and, and Cheek Tawaga doing a lot more door to door, um, because that's an inexpensive and also very effective way of reaching people. Um, but it's just time consuming, especially for the candidate, uh, you know, polling cars going to have a bunch of money and, it, you know, he's not gonna be able to hit a large percentage of Erie County doors. Whereas, you know, the NOAA campaign in Cheektowaga is targeting to hit the vast majority of the doors in Cheektowaga. It's just, it's not realistic in the entire County of Erie to be able to hit that many doors um, as a percentage. Uh, and, you know, there's probably a lot of doors that he wouldn't want to hit. You don't want to bring those people out in Marilla. Um, but yeah, I, I, I expect like, we're going to really see this heat up real quick, um, but it, it's still going to be a relatively sleepy year. You know, there's there's not there's nothing going on with the common council, despite me, you know, commenting and saying that there are people who are running on like independent lines. Obviously, they have no chance. Yeah. Um, there's not really much going on in the county ledge. There's a couple of races that might be interesting, but like not not super. So like, and you know, the the Republicans running, as we've mentioned many times, like this total unknown in Chrissy Casilio. I mean, her name is known in Clarence. Clarence is going to vote for the Republican anyways. Like that doesn't help you. Right. You know, like, you know, they needed to find, you know, like the Republican hoke. Well, so um, they, they didn't. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we'll see. And, you know, and <clears throat> the Republicans, like, besides the fact that they wasted, like, they don't have a ton of money, you know, they're trying to come to grips with how the landscape has changed in their traditional strongholds. You know, we talked about, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, especially like, the North Towns, Tonawanda and Amherst were the center of Republican power in Erie County. And you know, last year in that state Senate race, Ed Rath did not even come close to beating Sean Ryan in a district that had, I think all, if not almost, not most of Amherst in it. And, and Ed Rath couldn't even like come close to touching Sean Ryan. Um, and you know, Tonawanda and Amherst have become pretty easily conserved. You can consider them pretty strongly Democrat now. Um, so the Republicans are still trying to come to grips with that because like, you know, that's, you know, Chris Grant going back to him, you know, came up through the ranks with like the Amherst Republicans. Yeah. So like it, this is, that's where they, they came from and they're trying to like trying to find their way. And while they're trying to find their way, they weren't going to waste a bunch of money because they, if you look back at like who they've run against polling cars, it's traditionally been people like, with the exception of Lynn Dixon, who was them trying to like get into and maybe keep a little bit of hold on like Hamburg, 
they've been basically picking people from the North Towns. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like when you think about like Ray Walter, right? Like they're, and, know, and I often do. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's my, my daily journal. <laughs> um, but, you know, so I think they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Uh, so picking somebody from the Clarence, like, yeah, that's like their base, but I, I mean, they were going to vote for many ways. Also Clarence is, you know, while a wealthy town, there's not a lot of people there. So it's not a huge percentage of the vote. You know, and, and not to get all pop political science on you here, but really I do think that there's a, an element of the Trump effect, right? Like, look, I, I think that ultimately you see a lot of people running for the hills away from the Republican Party, that there was an exodus of, you know, I mean, geez, just Kevin Hardwick just being a, a prime example of the kind of Republican you saw, you know, fleeing the party, mm-hmm. um, someone who would not consider themselves an ideologue, but instead, you know, eh, maybe I'm fiscally conservative, a little socially liberal. Mm -hmm. You know, you've read the punchlines on the internet about these people, but all right, look, the important thing about them, not just their politics. We, we often conflate ideology and, um, you know, effectiveness or efficiency or, or being able to run campaigns or being able to run, uh, political offices. And those are two different things. You could be as ideolog- ideologically pure as, as you, you know, as the fallen snow. Um, and yet you could be terrible at running a campaign, terrible at being any kind of executive, terrible, you know, at the actual administration here. Right. And so what we're seeing now is for the Republicans, like, look, the cupboard is bare. Right. Well, it, and the, they are seeing a lot of people like they the establishment Republicans, like starting about 10 years ago, started to lose a lot of their own primaries, which they hadn't done in the past. And so now they're trying to like save themselves the embarrassment of losing primaries. So they're just going directly to like the crazy person who was going to win the primary anyways. Yeah. And and look, in small, uh, you know, I don't want to say the, the county executive, obviously that seat, that position is a very high profile for our area position. It has a lot of power and a lot of sway. But in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's relatively kind of small potatoes. It doesn't move the needle as much. So in these kind of races, what wins? Well, it's your organization. It's your turnout. And we've seen time and time again, the Poland cars operation is pretty ruthlessly efficient. Yeah. And he's also be better at raising money because, you know, you know, one of the things that Republicans are finding is that like when they had people who were not as dramatically and far right and as crazy um, and authoritarian, they, uh, they had a, a tr- like they had a huge fundraising advantage and they, they still have that at the national level to a certain degree in certain races. But you know, the people like the Bob Joyos of the world who in Buffalo was like maybe the number one fundraiser for the Republican party. He doesn't really host these fundraisers anymore. Like they, these people are, you know, you know, he's old money type of, and like this kind of thing is just like, it's too rude. Like that, that is too lowbrow for him to get involved in. And so he's not going to put his name out there for these people. And, you know, when Joya had a fundraiser at his house, you know, that was like a free, like seventy five dollars to $125,000 that he would raise. And they don't have that now. So, like, you know, he, yeah. he might send them a check and be like, don't call me. Here's your $1,000, but don't call me. I don't want to see any of you people in right. public. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with, you know, like, like the riches, right? You know, rich products, right? Like, you know, this is like this kind of stuff is too crazy for them and it's beneath them. You know, do do they want lower taxes for wealthy people? Yeah, they're wealthy. They want that to be good. 
Like, do they generally want to support Republicans to, to an office because like they, they know that they're going to vote for the things that they want? Yes. Do they want to openly support them because they're insane and like, they're always attacking like various human groups? No, that's not something they want to align themselves with. They don't want to align their business with that. It's bad for business. And unless you think that, you know, maybe down the line somewhere, maybe the Republican party here in, in your County can return themselves to something resembling any kind of normalcy. Uh, the, the, and the great hope of the party here, Jim, is, uh, well, well, the, the chairman of the party is is Mike Crocker, who works for the great hope of the Republicans around here, which is Rob Ort, who is absolutely, absolutely insane, um, completely off the reservation, as it were. I don't know if I'm able to say that, but whatever. He's just completely out of out of scope here, yeah. uh, Rob Ort, uh, total ideologue. So that is the future. Like that is who the Republicans, that, that is, who, that is who they are now, um, here in Erie County. And I'm not saying that they're not going to win elections. Like clearly mm-hmm. they have, and they've won elections that, you know, they, they should have, they've won elections. They probably shouldn't have, um, in large part due to the incompetency of their opponents, but, um, <laughs> just being Jeremy Zellner, if we're being real, mm-hmm. But I just, again, like it doesn't, it's not looking good. No, it's, it, I mean, no, I mean, I, I, the, I think the Republicans, I, but I think they know that. I don't think like this is coming as a surprise to them this year. Right. I think that's a, the, the thing that you have to, is like people who think that like Crockers are in a lot of pressure to somehow like steal this county executive's race. No, like that would be like in, insane found money for them if, if that worked out. I think they're like, no, no, like, what we need to do is like create a base maybe try to steal like a, a state assembly seat next year or two. Um, the Senate, the state Senate seats are, are cut up that they're, they're not taking any of those. Obviously that's not happening. They're not beating Sean Ryan or Tim Kennedy. That, that's not going to happen. So like, but maybe they can try to steal an assembly seat or, or two there. You know, they, maybe they can target Monica Wallace again. Maybe they can go after Pat Burke. Um, they get and, the first overall draft pick. Right. Know, yeah. yeah. Some picks together. Right. Yeah. You know, like, you know, they're, they're tanking for Eichel this year. Right. And, uh, uh, but I I think they realize it's a little bit of a rebuilding and restocking things and trying to figure out where things go. They're going to focus on, you know, maybe they can steal a county ledge seat here or there. And the towns that are, are becoming more Republican strongholds, they're like, you know, Lancaster, when I was growing up 20 years ago, while, while Amherst and Tonawanda were, you know, uh, Republican strongholds, Lancaster and West Seneca were Democratic strongholds. That is not the case anymore. No. Those Those towns have flipped. Uh, and so, like, you know, can they build up uh, uh, some sort of stable of potential larger candidates for countywide or for state races out of them? You know, is is somebody like county legislator Frank Todaro somebody that they can maybe run for a, a larger office? That's what they're looking at this year. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to be, you know, he's going to he's got he's coasting to reelection this year. So, like, he's got a chance to like just build some money, build some goodwill inside the party um, and also outside the party because, you know. He doesn't want, he doesn't want to like say, I'm going to run against Monica Wallace for state assembly and have Larigo endorse somebody else on the conservative line. And then he just gets, he gets obliterated because he doesn't have both lines. I mean, listen, here's what I'd be concerned about if I were, um, you know, part of the Republican establishment around here is all right. Yes. You're going to have to build up your own bench. Right. But also if you're looking across the way at your counterparts, the Democrats bench is looking pretty deep, um, increasingly more so with every day. I mean, you mentioned Randy Hoke, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Joe McMahon and Amherst just being like 
behind the scenes organizer of, of so many political campaigns. And there's so like, the, I'm not kidding. Like there, they really is a, a very tight, yes, a very tight democratic machine. Like, yes, there are a lot of competing interests. A lot of them fucking hate each other, but I mean, there, there seem to be working a lot more in concert than not these days. And, well, and, and they are focusing on building their bench and not relying on like city candidates to save them. Right. The Republicans are like, oh, wait, where's our strongest stronghold? Like, oh, it's Clarence. It's that we get we raise all our money out of there and it votes Republican uh, all overwhelmingly. If the county Democrats did the same thing, they would only be target focusing on like trying to promote city candidates. But they want to win countywide race and they know that city candidates are often going to be negatively viewed even by some Democrats and certainly by independent voters in some of the suburbs. So they're doing a good job of trying to build, like, you know, all right, Randy Hoke, Brian Culp, you know, uh, Angela Marinucci. Uh, Lynn Root is not a Russian Democrat, but, like, they've trying to, they're trying to embrace her and trying to, to get her to be on their team. You know, those are the type of people that they're trying to, like, all right, we can move them forward. And they're coming from, you know, first, second-ring suburbs and, and from towns that, you know, uh, you know, Amherst is pretty solidly Democrat now. You can almost rely on it. But, like, you know, has a lot of independent voters. Hamburg is definitely purple. Lancaster is actually pretty red for Lynn Ruda. So you know, they're trying to pull candidates out of places that will might be able to pull them wins that they wouldn't normally get. Yeah, which is a little bit of a luxury, but that's what you do when you're in a position of strength. Right, and, and yeah, because like you know, if if Gilmore in down in that legislative district that's like Hamburg, Lackawanna, South Buffalo, you know he you know he barely won two years ago, but if he's able to hold off his challenge this year and win. You know, then he becomes somebody like, oh, right now he's, he's won two difficult races and, you know, a kind of, you know, you know, uh, fuck, uh, coin toss district. Yeah. So like, you know, he, we have the opportunity there. Like maybe we can make Gilmore into, if that's something he's interested in, maybe we can make him into something more. Remains to be seen. Um, remains to be seen. But yeah, I think that ultimately the Republicans, uh, I, I, you know, Mike, Mike, listen, Mike Crocker, he strikes me as like the coach that they keep around for the rebuild, like during, during the lean years, he's not going to be the head coach when they finally get the, all the talent on the roster. I mean, uh, maybe uh, that might be to a certain degree, although it's, it's not quite like a sports or like even like a university sports franchise where like, all right, like they have that person for the rebuild and then like they, they cut him loose and they never talk to him again. If Mike Crocker helps them negotiate like a, a rebuilding process, they're not going to like never talk to Mike Crocker guy. They're not going to like, he's not going to become, you know, excommunicado, right? They're going to reward him with a good job somewhere in, in a position, you know, maybe not quite Jill Rettman status, but like something <laughs> nice um, for him for for doing this work and taking the, the shots that he had to take. Like it, it's going to work out well for Mike Crocker unless unless instead of rebuilding, it's just an absolute catastrophe. And like if if he, if he can rebuild a little bit or if he wins and he somehow looks turns turns out to look like a political genius, it's going to turn out very well for him. As long as it's not an absolute dumpster fire, he's going to be okay, and they're going to reward him for this. Sure. So, speaking of absolute dumpster fires, Jim, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the Lancaster beat. Yeah, uh, we you know again <laughs> thanks to Gavin for this. Um, so uh, the Bob Leary was a current council member in the, in the town of Lancaster running on a post for supervisor in the town of Lancaster and total insane person. Um, want, they're going to have a public hearing in Lancaster. He wants to push a moratorium 
uh, one year, all commercial residential construction, none at all in the town of Lancaster for a year. Uh, I'm sure, you know, buildings and trades are probably very happy with him. I'm sure they're, they're, they're probably going to just load his campaign with a bunch of money. You know, I'm, I'm sure like David Holmes and like all the, like, the different builders are going to, can't wait to like that prime market of Lancaster, which they can sell homes and has one of the highest average new home values. They're probably very happy that they won't be able to sell any homes there for an entire year if this goes through. Um, but, you know, Leary and the current Republicans, and this is, is something that's been going back with the Republicans in Lancaster for decades now, they're complaining that Lancaster's too overbuilt. Uh, that it's just it's too built up. It's, it's There's too much going on in Lancaster. It's supposed to be a nice, quiet farm community, which hasn't been true for fucking 60 years, but whatever. Um, and I mean, this is just more nonsense from Leary. I think part of this, I don't want to give Leary too much credit because I don't think that much of him, but you know, uh, like I mentioned, Lynn Ruda is potentially somebody that you know, the Democratic Party is looking towards as maybe being a rising star. And the village of Lancaster, where she's mayor, and they, she, they don't run on they don't run on party line like the Democrat Republican Party line. They 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 make up parties like Citizens Party and, and the Fiscal Responsibility Party. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, communist. Uh, no, but uh, they <laughs> and so the village has to get because they're wholly inside the town of Lancaster, any building permits in the village basically have to go through the town. And then the village, you know, under the current leadership, especially the downtown part of the village, you know, there's a fatty, like there's been a lot of like people, buildings moving in. They've been new buildings going up, um, a lot of construction going on. There's a lot of businesses moving back into that little downtown area, like near Broadway and central uh, from basically that, that stretch of central from like Pleasant to Broadway there. Um, so it's, it's been going very well. This is a way to like, just say like, you know, eat shit, Lynn Ruda and the village. Like, we're not gonna let you do whatever you want. You know, uh, I mean, no, the village said that not only would they, would, you know, um, they let marijuana be sold there, but also they'd allow cafes. Well, I guess not if you're going to build a new building, right? Like that's not going to happen now. Uh, notably it doesn't ban industrial, so I guess if like Elon wants to build an emerald mine in Lancaster, I don't know how deep he's gonna have to dig out on pavement to find emeralds, but like that's a possibility. Uh, but I do want to quick tell a quick story uh, about Bob Leary that I know. Um, that so Bob Leary was up until relatively recently the liaison from the town board to the library board. Lancaster is very unusual in all of New York state, like this side of the Hudson it's the only town that elects its library board. They're not appointed individuals. Uh, and there's a, an agreement out there between the two parties that uh, there's six seats, three Democrats, three Republicans, or at least aligned with the Republican party at least for, at least for the election. Um, you know, coming out of COVID the town, this, this library board outside of the library funding that they get through, you know, the central library and the, the library fund, they also get grants and money, and the library board has a bunch of money stashed away. Um, you know, they've been receiving money going back to, like, you know, Sandra Lee Worth and Dale Volker, and they've just been sitting on this money. So they wanted to redo their staff room as kind of like a thank you to, like, their staff for doing such a great job and persevering through COVID. And, and just a general great job. Uh, and they wanted to, they're like, you know, the, it, the building hasn't been, like this room hasn't been done since like the 50s or 60s. It's probably not up to code. Uh, so it'd be expensive because like we want to strip it down, 
you know, new water, make sure all that's all done, new electric, make sure everything's up to code and everything's safe. But the town owns the building. So, you know, they do, do an RFP and they only get one bid back. And Bob Leary, who is the liaison, for some reason has no interest in letting this company do the, the work. So he refuses to take it to the town board. So if the town board doesn't vote and say yes, the library, the library trustees, no matter how much money they want to spend, can't spend any money. They can't do it because it's the town building. And they've gone through this now for, I think it's almost two years now, where they've, they continue to send out RFPs because Bob Leary won't take it to the town board. And they keep getting just the one same company. They, they did one time get a different company that said, hey, we'd be interested. But instead of like redoing the entire room and, and stripping it and like updating the electrical, updating the, the water, uh, you know, installing a sink here or there, uh, we would just paint it for like five figures. And they, they were like, well, we have like volunteers, like the friends of the library. Like we could just buy paint. Like we, we want to spend the money because we want to redo the room and, and make it nice and, and upgrade it. Like if we're just going to buy appliances and paint, we can do that without like without without the town's approval because we're not making any structural changes to the building. Um, so uh, Bob Leary, for whatever reason, said you know basically said you know fuck the library, fuck the library staff. It was, was his issue. Like you know, I mean, he, he, who knows if they were if they wanted to do this so that like the, the uh, patrons of the library wanted to use a room, would he have been like so anti? It also should be noted that. The library trustees, who I said are evenly split, this was a unanimous thing that they wanted to do. This wasn't like, oh, it was like somehow split along party lines and, and Bob Leary was playing like the good Republican. No, this was solely Bob Leary saying, fuck the library, fuck their staff, fuck these people, because he could. Just amazing the kind of petty tyrants this this kind of level of municipal government can bring out sometimes. Right. Again, like if I wasn't fully... Libertarian after Jill Repman, you know, Bob, Bob Leary might push me. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because like, I think that, you know, Bob Leary, you know, I know he's going to win a win election this year. Um, and so in 2027, it's time for him to win re-election. You know, the town link has been trending so hard Republican, but he, he might be somebody who'd be like somebody you could pick off for like a town supervisor's race because it seems like a lot of people in that town hate him. Like he might not win this year if there was any opponent, but you know, there, there isn't, uh, but like, he, he seems to be pretty roundly hated. Like, you know, from like my parents who hang out at like the fucking like Elks club and shit like that in the town of Lancaster, sounds like most people have no use for this guy. And so like, you know, if there's any candidate in four years, if he's running for your election, you know, he might have a fucking really hard. To, and if he's this kind of a dickhead when he's unopposed, can you imagine if he thinks his, his campaign is going south. What kind of a shithead he's going to be those last couple of months that he's got power and what he's trying to do. The mind reels. Yeah. The possibilities. So he's just going to, he's going to have his own personal team of Jill Rutlaff. So he's going to put on leave and so that they can, you know, work his campaign for the next four years. Uh, well, happy all, uh, as, as, as depressing as it all is happy to, uh, cover the Lancaster beat, you know, yeah. Gavin, uh, is our boy and Jim, you hail from from Lancaster, of yeah. course, as well. Um, lovely little community, just with a Bob Leary sized problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's uh, it for this week's episode of the Square Podcast. Yeah. So if you have other news from suburbs, let us know, and we'll look into it so we can <coughs> we can talk shit about other towns. Yeah, I'll give you my half informed opinion. Uh, right. Out on a recording. Yeah. Let, let me know what's wrong in fucking Springville. I can't wait. Can't wait. And and. 
if you have anything about Skip Gingrich, anything, right, I would yeah. be more than happy to learn and discuss it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're uh, we're the Square Podcast. This is Ree and Diamond Jim, uh, and and Snake's not with us this week. Um, he, he's off, uh, you know, doing snake things yeah. in, in foreign exotic locales. Globe trotting. Globe trotting. That's right. Yep. Um, That's, he's part of the the Kenmore Globe Trotters, that famous team. Yes, yes. They're they don't even play basketball. No. Just, you know, too good. Too nobody good. will play against them. Nobody will play against them. Even the even the Washington Generals are like, I'm sorry. Like we it's just we'd have no shot. We've lost too many times right. against you. Right. Um actually the, the Kenmore uh Globetrotters play pickleball. Oh yeah, okay. Yes. That's more in line yeah. with the Kenmore Globetrotters. But um yeah, if uh you know you want to join our bump and discord server where yeah, we pull a lot of news from and, and also just a lot of fun discussion. Uh yeah, hop on Discord, um, join the Square Podcast Discord, uh, Patreon, of course, you can give us money, the PBS pledge hour here, but really, you know, it just goes towards, uh, you know, food, drinks, fun stuff, just so we keep doing the show. Uh, of course, the equipment too, by the way, the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks again for supporting us. You can find us on everywhere you find podcasts. You've found us already, if you're listening, but uh, of course, there's, uh, I think Stitcher's done for, but Apple podcast app, that terrible app, you yeah. can find us there. It's where I listen to my podcast and it sucks. Uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of the major ones. Yep. We are there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us and uh, until next time. With Let's Go Pills, I wanted to make a beer that was similar to the beers I grew up drinking in in the tailgate. And I wanted a clear American lager that was crisp and and just really sharp. It it takes the classic American lager and we we showcase craft ingredients made by locals, made by fans, uh, to be shared by fans. Bring community to all that you do and good things happen.